Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School, La Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Uh, Bonjour. Bonjour, or bonsoir, if it happens to be late. Yes. Bonny soir. Or bon, bon nuit. <laughs> That's not a thing, is it? All of those things. Yeah. Bon nuit. Yeah, you can say that. That's all right. I'll give, yeah, we'll do it. Anyways, um, French school all Francaise. We're not doing a French film today, but you know we should save that for the next uh, French movie we yeah. watch. Which I don't know what that'll be, but something. Um, anyways, we're off to a great start here. Engaging, interesting, right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how's your week been? What have you been up to? What have oh, you been doing? What have I been doing? Um, it's been an it's been a new TV's new TV show week. Oh, okay. Um, I watched Halston. Oh, right. Yes, the new Ewan McGregor project. Yes. All about Halston, the uh, 19... Would we say 60s, 70s fashion? Um, I guess says 60s, guru? 70s, 80s, you know, primarily. But okay. Yes, Halston, as right, he Halston. says. Um, You're enjoying it? I did. Um, I finished it. It's only five episodes. Very quick. Oh, all right. Five hours. Knock uh, it out or so. Knock it out. Um, it was very good. Very fun. Very gay. Very camp. Um, you know, who doesn't love the rise and fall of a genius? Ah, uh, yeah. The, what is it? The decline, uh, the rise, decline, and redemption of a genius. Ah, uh, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I would like to watch it. I do enjoy fashion things, um, you know. Does Meryl Streep show up and yell at people? No. Oh, damn it. But I, I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand what the signature Halston aesthetic was. Oh, uh, okay. You know, because like when I watched the um, the Coco Chanel film mm-hmm. a while back, the, uh, the a Lifetime one, not the one with Shirley MacLaine, not the one with uh, Audrey, whatever her name is. Tatao. 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 From Amelie. Yes. Um and Interesting you bring that up because the woman who voices Emily in mm-hmm. today's film, The Corpse Bride, that part was written for her, Amelie. Oh. But she struggled with the language, I guess. Oh, and Helena Bonham Carter? No, that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm get, I am See, I keep getting their names mixed up. Victoria. Victoria. Emily. Uh, what's the actress's name? Watson. Em- Emily Watson. Yeah, sorry. That's why I said Emily. Uh, Emily's okay. the Corpse Bride character. Victoria, that actress, uh, she was originally supposed to play Amelie, but uh, it oh. ended up being the breakout role for Miss Audrey. Tatao. Uh, anyways, not the And point. she did a movie with Johnny Depp. She did Chocolat, right? Is that her? No, that is not her. Oh, that who is, is that? Um, <laughs> that is, let's see, Chocolat starring, uh, is it Juliette Binoche? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Juliette Binoche. Uh, I love Chocolat, actually. I, that's another one where I really enjoy the book and I like the movie. I don't, I've, I've uh, never seen Amelie or Chocolat. Oh, my gosh. You didn't go to the Amelie backyard screening we did? No, I don't think I knew you then. Juliette Binoche. Uh, it wasn't here. It was with um, uh, Marcella, who's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... Um, 
Tiffany's old roommate, Chris. Is that oh, right? They all yeah. Lived together? No, no, no. I never did that. Yeah. So they did the backyard thing. And it, I will say that it was a bad idea. Like I was like, oh, Amelie's a fun movie. We should watch that. But really the point of the backyard movies was to kind of have fun and make fun of the film. Yeah. And Amelie's a little too, like, I mean, you can make fun of it, but it wasn't, it's not a fun movie. Like I think yeah. the next time they did Goonies, which was made, was more you know made more sense anyways it's a movie you talk back you talk at it yes yeah you don't um, talk at amelie no it's not that kind of movie amelie's Uh, just there to like you know look at you knowingly right uh we should remedy that though you should see amelie i actually own it somewhere in this mess i do have a copy of amelie that i bought for a christmas exchange i'd never played white elephant before Ah, and i was advised to buy something i would want and then try to get that back instead of trying to get another prize, mm-hmm. you know, because usually they're bad. Uh, so I bought Amelie and cause I was like, I'd like to have this DVD. So I'm going to put it in this white elephant exchange. And did you get it? I did. Yeah. I ended up with it. Nobody wanted it. It was perfect. Um, <laughs> no one wants the, like, you know, the, this like French Sprite. <laughs> yeah. A strange French film. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff was weird too. There was like, um, you know, like a car washing, kit i'm like i don't have a car so i'm not gonna try there was like nothing else i you know i so. don't have a car I it was a good it was one of those things labor. that was good advice like you know yeah. buy something you would want and then just fight to get that back so i was very happy with that yeah that's I, i've been very lucky in those white elephant exchanges because we did one at work and there was an alice hoffman book and like i happened to get it and i was the only person that like knew really who she was besides the person that put that book in the you know the thing and yeah, yeah, into yeah. the in the uh, into it but i was like stoked i was like oh this is so cool i haven't read this one so i've been very lucky with white elephant exchanges you actually unknowingly helped me with a white elephant one year oh um i um i picked up from you like um the queerest folks i think you were getting rid of like some old dvds mm, yeah or maybe it was from johnny maybe it was from johnny i had a bunch of the queerest folk ones but okay. i got rid of them because well, it's all online now but it was someone who so you or johnny or somebody was giving me stuff and then i ended up just putting it in a box um and i just said like it was a big box of gay culture um to recycle to people because the How fun the white elephant that i go to they don't it's not really serious right so yeah, yeah yeah and that's okay queer's focus and like serious gay culture yeah <laughs> oh my gosh how did we get way over here on white elephants we were talking about audrey to t- oh we were talking about halston okay halston, so back because yes. i did have a question about halston does anyone play anna winter oh no that'd be too early because she didn't come into vogue until the 80s um no and colston was already in decline um yeah that's i think right. it's kind of hinted over. because there is towards the end of like when Halston's already in decline, there is like a fashion show where there's a woman with big sunglasses and a bob that sits next, that sits next to Liza Minnelli. So I don't know if maybe they're hinting at it. They're just hinting at her. Yeah. Because she definitely, um, before she moved to Vogue, American Vogue, she worked in British Vogue. Mm. Yeah. So she kind of, so it's possible that she was still on the scene. There's a whole thing with like the American designers and American fashion versus like European fashion. And, oh yeah, um, you do get like a you you do get like a caddy exchange between Oscar De La Renta and Bill Blass and Halston, um, which is funny because like Bill Blass I only know of because my mom owned Bill Blass jeans. Um, yeah, and yeah, and fancy. Your fa- mom's I know. So fancy. Oh, she's pretty for pretty fancy lady. Mm, I like her. <laughs> 
I was actually thinking of your mom this week because I start classes today. I, I start my summer term, um, which is just, I'm, it's going to move really fast, you know, cause I'm taking five classes over 12 weeks. So it's going to be kind of intense, but I start, um, I've, um, a forensic psych class. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I'm taking an abnormal psych class and a forensic psych class right now in the first six weeks. And then the second six weeks, I have other classes. It's kind of split up that way. So every other day, I have like a module due. It's <laughs> super breakneck speed. I I recently um, I recently told mom that I would love to have her on the show and, you know, to have her like talk with you a little bit because you're, <laughs> you're interested in that. And she yeah. said... But I never did that in my, like, that was never her job. But I'm like, yeah, but you were there, you know, at, <laughs> you were at Guanaco. Like, you, you did something there. Like, you, she's, for, she's familiar with forensic science. Yeah. So. I just happened to think of her because we've talked about that before on the show and about, like, Silence of the Lambs and such. And, you know, so point is that, you know, I'm starting classes. So I just had that moment where now I think of your mom. When- oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, sure she would love to hear that. I well, you tell her. Yeah. Uh, send her my regards. Yes. Your hat, your monocle, your cane, t- yes. in her fancy Bill Blast jeans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what did I do this week? Uh, I was super lazy all week because I had 11 days off between, the, you know, for the semester, um, since my final exams and then, you know, starting class again. So I had all these plans to do lots of fun things. And I just laid on the couch for like three days watching movies and TV, being really lazy and eating. So good. Yeah, it was nice. I just kind of took a little break. I haven't actually been in here in the West Craven Memorial Library. I like just stayed out of it the whole week because I've, I've been living in here for classes uh, for the last five months. Uh, <laughs> And we'll continue for the next few months. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to be out of this space. I laid in bed for a while. And then I was like, oh, I should move to the uh, couch. So I moved to the couch for a while. And then I went to the spare bedroom and read. And I just kind of hopped between those places, watching old episodes of Dexter. Well, obviously, old episodes of Dexter. Uh, I was rewatching season seven of Dexter for fun. And then I, what else did I do? Well, I watched that Army of the Dead, but you haven't seen it yet. So no, we're going to talk it. about it, though, once you do. Uh, uh, so I'll refrain from commentary at this time, dear listener. <laughs> I know you're just waiting to hear our, our my thoughts, Joe's thoughts on uh, Army of the Dead. Um, gosh, what else? I don't know. We plan to go see Cruella this week. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna try to see that on Friday, I think, because we're at we're. It's so funny. We both are going like out of town this weekend. I know. know don't so. cancel us, listener. We're right. Going, <laughs> we're going out of town, but we are we are taking precautions. We are yes, uh, but it's just kind of funny that it sort of coincided with you know like because I don't think that's really ever happened unless we were traveling together that we both happen to be out of town at the same time. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, Usually so, one of us is left behind. Yeah, and it's really funny because the place you're going to, I will be in next weekend. <laughs> so it's just... I know, did you... So Jimmy Kins was like, did he design it that way so that right. way you could miss us yeah, and not have to hang was, out with us? Well, you know, we originally wanted to come with you this weekend. Well, yeah, but... but yes, Melissa takes Melissa, precedence. She does, and she had a concert, and, you know, I didn't want to go just... 
sit around in Vegas. I don't know. I don't want to say too much because I, you know, I don't want to like, anyways, not the point. Not the point. Point is, we were planning to see Cruella on Friday. Are you still in town or you leave Thursday? We leave Thursday. Okay. Well, then you will not be seeing Cruella with us. No, but maybe I'll see it with uh, Jimmy Kins when we go. That's sweet. Aww. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go, I think we're going to do that Friday, but yeah, I think otherwise it was a pretty light week for my, like, anything new. I didn't really watch too much new stuff. I, I've been wanting to watch that woman in the window, but it's getting such bad, like, press that I'm just like, maybe I'll just wait till that kind of dies down. Um, that was on Netflix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Underground Railroad. Have you watched it yet? I have not watched that. Not yet. Was it good? Did I haven't watch watched it, it either. Oh, okay. I'm just like kind of waiting a little yeah. bit. Like, Oh, I did watch that. What was it? Um, shoot. Murder in the High Desert. Murder in the High Desert. The one that you said everyone should watch on Tubi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought it was fun. I was like uh, Horror in the High Desert. Horror in the High Desert directed uh, by, what is his name? Dutch. Dutch Merrick. Merrick, Merrick, M-A-R-I-C-H from Luminol Entertainment. I thought it was kind of effective and weird, you know, so it's sort of, it's a mockumentary kind of setup uh, where a, um, a young man has gone missing and this is like three or four years after his disappearance. And it's like, it's kind of staged as like one of those, yeah, like, uh, something you'd see on like the ID channel or, you know, where it's like forensic files. Yeah. So they're interviewing his friends and his family and talking about, you know, he, you know, he's gone missing and then it's, um, interrupt, you know, like in, 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 uh, why can't I talk today? Uh, (laughs) there are scenes of him cause he has like a video blog. So there are scenes of him while he's like out in the woods doing different things and, uh, you know, so it's kind of like Grizzly Man that way, you know, where he sort of documented his final moments and they've discovered like that. And that's kind of the last part of the film. Okay. So it starts off as very much as documentary and it's kind of a slow burn, you know, but it was creepy. I just thought it was kind of effectively creepy. A lot of the people in it were very like not actorly, like they really did feel like just you know everyday family that you stuck cameras in front of you know so so their awkwardness even as like actors could just kind of come from that space like i could buy that they're just awkward on camera because they're not you know actors within the thing so it was a little blair witchy definitely it's Mm -hmm. very lots of lost in the woods with the camera kind of thing kind of vibe uh but i really enjoyed it and it did creep me out the last like 15 minutes of it or so i was like oh that was creepy you know because you're just kind of in his like vision while what happens to him happens Mm. so i i thought it was cool so i just threw it out there because it was free on tubi uh you know so it's got commercials or whatnot but otherwise it was i thought it was effective you know for for um it must have had a minuscule budget you know just Mm -hmm. something that friends obviously did so yeah i recommend it yeah yeah so that was kind of the big that was that was me this week otherwise uh reading i'm reading um uh rabia uh chowdhury's book um adnan story it's about the adnan syed case that Uh like serial broke uh so i'm like five years late on that (laughs) 
but I, I decided to to uh, check it out. I found oh, that's something I should tell. Like you know, dear listener, if you've not heard of Libby, L I B B Y, it is a really cool app that lets you borrow like ebooks from your library mm-hmm. or from you know the the library. Um, what do you call that? You know, the all of them. The central library. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you can tap into like the the system and uh, check out ebooks even without a library card. You could just set up an account, and Ooh. it's super cool. Yeah, so I was like looking up all kinds of books on it, uh, which is actually really nice for me because I tend to buy books even if I know I'm probably going to read it once instead of just checking it out. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I found the uh, Rabia book. All right, and, yeah, super cool. Libby, everybody. Yeah, Libby. Not sponsored. This is not a sponsored post. I was going to say, don't use any code Fright School. Right. Check out. Yeah, it's free anyways. Uh, but definitely check it out because I I found it to be very very cool and very extensive. Lots of lots of books available. Not you know I mean again because it's you're borrowing the book, it uh, you do have to wait you know for new stuff. But thankfully yeah. this book was available and I got it for like 21 days or whatever. So super fun. Nice. Just tossing that out there. Very cool. Um, anything else? Summer's coming. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about our lineup of films that we're going to be doing the next couple months. I know. Yay. We have like the rest of the year planned almost. I know. It's so exciting. Um, yeah. I, uh, Looking forward to traveling a little bit. I think that's very exciting to to finally be able to like leave this town after a year and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta move. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta leave this town. Gotta leave this place. Do it, Gotta Barbara. Find my way. Gotta move. <laughs> Gotta move. <laughs> Gotta get out. I watched that this week. I, I had know, my gay nineties day. That's right. Too long. That's Wong why Fu, I uh, I was like, cage. oh, he'll love it. He'll know it. Yeah, I uh, that was fun. Princess Laritza. <laughs> Princess Laritza's, yes, his <laughs> lips is. Uh, oh, my gosh. All righty. Well, um, if, if there's nothing else, I guess we'll take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss uh, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. All right, welcome back. So today, uh, again, you know, continuing our bridal conversations, uh, we'll see when we get to the last episode what we have learned, I guess, about brides in horror. Uh, But more so, this has just been super fun, you know, so kind of following last week, we did Bride of Chucky. Um, Um, I actually have something really interesting that I just found out right before we started recording, is that as of recording this... Um, the San Diego Bridal Bazaar is in full effect right now. Well, why can we get them to sponsor this? I know, right? I actually (laughs) know the owners of the San Diego Bridal Bazaar. (laughs) So that would have been interesting to get them. But yeah, yeah, so they're doing, and and again, like, you know, it's always, 
it's a it, you take a moment right to like realize that it's not a year ago you know that there are pe- people are gathering right that it's okay things is, things is happening things is happening you know it's like we're we're not we're we'd ha- we're still dealing i'm still dealing with that trauma so i I was like, "What? The bridal bazaar is going on." I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, things are happening right now and <laughs> and stuff." So, but anyway, yeah. So it's going on right now, and I saw like um, one of my friends who is there uh, posted that her favorite booth was like this little like Shetland pony that has like saddlebags that are like basically champagne buckets. So like you know they're being led around. So imagine drinking uh, champagne from a Shetland pony's back. Those are the kinds of crazy shit that people uh, want at their weddings. Yeah. Uh, again, I guess I'll save my overall commentary on weddings for the last episode. <laughs> I'm sure, because the last film was probably what you think of weddings. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the last film in this series is definitely um, the nightmare. Um, so, anyways, we are doing, uh, for today's episode, 2005, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Uh, super fun. You know, stop motion animation. There are songs, Joe. I thought you'd enjoy the musicalness of it all. Yeah, songs, no bops, no hits, no right, pop. Right, that's no. true. It doesn't. Yeah, nothing like sticks too much with. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, like you know, there's no, there's no, you know, making Christmas. There's no what's this, and there's no this is Halloween. Yeah, no, nothing really gets stuck. Which again might be, you know, one of the things why I'm not sure this film is as well known. You know, as some of his other work or as 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 well appreciated. But it's because it's the third film that Tim Burton has either um, directed or had some kind of involvement with producing that is um, stop motion. You know, mm-hmm. so obviously Nightmare Before Christmas and then or the the Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach, which I also really loved. I do. Which also I... has Joanna Lumley in it, actually, yeah. uh, which brings me to this like amazing cast. I freaking love like all these voices. It's like. <laughs> Everybody in um, in England in Christendom, right. <laughs> um, Richard E. Grant, Albert Finney, uh, names upon names, Tracy Ullman. Yeah, we've got Helena Bonham Carter, uh, Emily Watson as Victoria, which was talking about a little bit earlier. Tracy Ullman, who plays two people. Uh, Paul Whitehouse, who plays three people, Joanna Lumley, Albert Finney, Richard E. Grant, Christopher Lee, uh, Michael, what did we say? We think it's Guff? Michael Guff? Michael Guff, I think. Guff, I think you're right. Uh, Who played, um, what was I going to say? Alfred. Alfred Pennyworth in the uh, Batman series for a while. Batman, Batman Returns. I think, wasn't he in the others too? Like Batman and Robin and the Joel Schumacher ones? Yeah, he was in the Joel Schumacher ones. Anyway, so we got him. Jane Horrocks, who plays Bubble on AbFab. There's, you know, and, and Joanna Lumley, like I said, she was on AbFab as well. So that just makes me super happy. It's like, was Jennifer Saunders not available? Why didn't she pop into this? Um, I wonder if she was doing <laughs> Shrek at the time, actually. Oh, maybe. Let yeah, me, she did play the fairy up. godmother didn't she yeah you can't you can't have more than one you can't have you can't cross the streams right uh danny elfman sings the role of bone jangles also did you know the music for it of course because uh as we said this is a tim burton film (laughs) so danny elfman is given for the most part uh and of course johnny depp i don't think i mentioned him he's also he's also in it we don't need to (laughs) just gloss over that right we're just um yeah uh, all right, so super fun. What 
what did you think overall of it? Oh, have you found the fairy godmother? Yeah, thing? she was fairy godmother in 2004 oh, w- okay. when it was released. So she probably wasn't available when they were doing the voicing. Maybe not. Yeah, because it takes time. I mean, Nightmare took a couple years to do. I wonder how long this uh, production lasted on this. Um, yeah, you know, now that you say that, I was like, yeah, Corpus Pride doesn't seem to be as like known. I think like Coraline later becomes oh, yeah. the one. Coraline, I think, that's right. I, I think it's like the nightmare before christmas and then Coraline are like the people you know the the burton heads as you will <laughs> um i mean it was well received and i think it was even nominated for yeah for 78th uh, academy award for best animated feature but lost to wallace and gromit the curse of the were rabbit mm. oh which also had helena bonham carter um but yeah, I feel like this kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, I don't even think I realized it existed until Jeffrey and I, because he had a copy of it on DVD. Oh. Yeah. So a I, rare I just, cultural I kinda, artifact. Yeah, I just kind of missed it. Um, I don't remember seeing it before then, before 2009 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, um, could be wrong. Anyways, uh, it's very quick. 77 minutes. Uh, yeah. So anyways, let's just dive in here. Uh, Joe, what did you think of the, the corpse bride? Yeah, it was fun. It was okay. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> no, I, I was really kind of hoping for like a catchy tune. Right. And there isn't any of that. It's very like Sondheim. If like, you know, like Sondheim only did the expositional parts of, of Sweeney Todd, you know, where they're writing letters and things like they're just like preparing for stuff. Like a lot of the songs are that's true. Them preparing for things or expositional, but there's no like in American theater, there's the, the concept of the, like I want song where it's like, right. It's the second song usually where, you know, uh, that would have been a nice place for Johnny Depp to be like, Oh, you know, I want to do this. And I kind of miss that. Um, so I have critiques for this film as a musical, um, as a little, you know, fun bit of artistic horror. Yeah, it was fine. Like it was, it was, it was a good one, but yeah, I won't be watching again. (laughs) Just if it happens to be on or something, maybe you'll, you'll, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll show it to James, you know, but I I I mean, again, I think it's cute. Um, I, I kind of wanted to do it in this context because I think it has an interesting history. Mm-hmm. The uh, actual story itself, I think, is fascinating uh, where where its roots are. So we can just kind of dive into that, yeah. I guess. So I also just didn't like, I mean, we can probably talk more about this later. But like what I was a little hung up on was the fact that like I didn't understand why he was running away. Do you know what I mean? Like he has cold feet. Is it just because he's like has like a speech impediment you know what i mean like is he just a stammerer and doesn't know how to speak correctly or quote unquote correctly or is he like actually like afraid of merit you know what i mean like i didn't get any of that i didn't understand why mm-hmm. and so then when the corpse bride shows up it's like okay well i guess i'm along for the ride but i'm still like those questions are still in my head yeah no I, I i agree like i'm not sure either i mean i think they hint at it a little bit that obviously you know he's like musical he's playing the piano and i don't mean musical in the way that we mean queer but <laughs> <laughs> he's musical he's artistic yeah you know and so he's playing the piano and maybe he's just a little bit more of that kind of um poetic 
artistic soul, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. who's being railroaded by his parents and the parents of his fiance, Victoria. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also being forced to win- marry a woman who basically has the same name as him. So they're Victor Victoria, which yeah. is just strange. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of that, like where it's just he's kind of being pushed. And you're right. He did need a clarifying song that would help us understand yeah. his internal life, because all we really get is, yeah, he's good at playing the piano. His parents are nouveau riche. You know, they've somehow got money all of a sudden. He's and, being married off. Right. And he's yeah, exactly. Like it's a transaction all, you know, marriage uh, like a lot of marriages are. Yeah. Okay. Most marriages yeah. in history are, uh, you know, that is the that is sort of the history of, of getting married, of, you know, protecting property or uh, protecting assets or making those sorts of trades with uh, young people's lives <laughs> so that old people can remain comfortable and or whatever the whatever's happening it's an indictment of generational wealth exactly is what you came for on this podcast precisely so yeah i think it's a few but you're right i mean in the in the 77 minutes they could have found some time to give him a little bit more other than just being nervous and everybody's like just say it just say the right words you know like i mean that sort of like panic that can set in Mm -hmm. like you know, getting stage fright almost, Uh, you know, so of course he goes off to the woods because in the woods, he does it correctly. He finds himself, you know, the pressure's off. Exactly. And he's able to perform the uh, ceremonial words uh, so well that, you know, he go by, gets into a contract with a corpse (laughs) pride as you do, as As one does, you know? So that's what we've really learned here today is don't go wandering around the woods, sticking rings on things. Cause you just, you don't know what you might conjure, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what you might bring into your life. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And if they were to stage this, which again, I think this would be very cool on the stage. Um, I think so too. You know, bring massive in, rewrites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cl- clarify some of the story. Uh, you know, how how long is the average musical? Two hours, hour and a half. Uh, about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. So you've got like a good, you know, twenty or so minutes you could add to this. Yeah. To to beef up the story a little bit. That's four or five songs at least. You know, give the songs a, a brushing up. Uh, I don't know who. We need like that eleven o'clock number where like you know the the corpse bride is like singing. Yeah, you know we need like a in his eyes like from Jekyll and Hyde, but it's like Emily and Victoria, right? On both on either side of the veil, yeah. Talking about Victor, you know, like we get, we should just husband. write this. Yeah, let's just write it. Fuck yeah. it, you know. Um, man, if we actually did the work and wrote all the things we've talked about writing on this, we'd show, be man, billionaires. We would be fucking yeah. We'd be. Um, who uh rogers and hammerstein yes <laughs> that could i be was us. thinking more like like a jason blum you know like a like uh, let's keep it in the film realm ah uh, yes 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 but horror you know all of that anyways so be a, would get, be a gayer rogers and hammerstein it was spooky rogers and hammerstein yes it'd be a, a would be a leopold and Loeb. that's yes what <laughs> i love that oh my gosh joe that's perfect you're so you're so smart uh, okay, so I found in uh, researching for this uh, <laughs> that it is uh, this is based on Russian uh, Jewish folklore, supposedly from the like 1800s. Although there is in, in some of the research I did, there is some 
stories about the uh, Rabbi Isaac Luria in the 1500s, who apparently also kind of told a story like this. But it seems that Tim Burton et al., you know, whoever is... um, Responsible. <laughs> responsible for this, uh, based it on a, a, a two different stories from uh, Jewish folklore out of like the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. So I found one of the books that it is based on. Oh, come on, you think. Mm-hmm. So this is called Lilith's Cave, Jewish Tales of the Supernatural, selected and retold by Howard Schwartz, which I wonder if there's relation there to Alvin Schwartz, because this is very scary stories to tell in the dark through a Jewish lens, <laughs> this book. Oh, maybe. Um, but that's, that might be a total coincidence and I did not look that up, but yeah, Howard, Howard shorts, Alvin shorts did all the uh, scary stories, which reminded me a little bit of this because there is the bride story where the yeah. bride gets like trapped in the box. And then there's, I think in the notes section, there's a discussion of the bride in the tree, which this is uh, related to. So anyways, in Lilith's cave, is that like the eel in the cave? I was going to say, I'm like, this sounds like vagina. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So Lilith's cave uh, has uh, two stories in it, one called The Finger and one called The Demon in the Tree. And so that is kind of where these, uh, the, the corpse bride is sort of, I, I feel a mix between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, not just me. Others have, have made the similar connection. But The Finger is sort of about, um, you know, Three young men go out for a walk, and Reuven, R-E-U-V-E-N, he's going to be married the next day. And so, again, they're, like, stumbling around through the woods. They see what they actually think is a finger sticking up out of the ground, and they tease each other to, like, propose to it or whatever. And uh, Reuven saying, you know, I'm going to get married, so I'll do it. You know, and he slips the ring. He has an actual, you know, ring that he puts on the finger. And, of course, the bride comes up. You know, very scary, very gross, very terrifying for these young men. Mm-hmm. So they run off. And then the next day, the guy goes to get married and the corpse bride shows up like, hey, you can't marry her because you're already married to me. At which point the rabbi has to step in and say, well, you know, the dead cannot marry the living. Uh, what is it? There are like rules. Uh, There's always rules. It's always rules with the dead and the living. Yeah, I love this. Why is it woman? that you have left your final resting place and returned to the living. What blemish does the bridegroom... Oh, no, that's the corpse replying in her unearthly voice. What blemish does the bridegroom find in me that he should want to wed another? For cannot all the world see that he is wed to me? Um, you're dead, honey. That's the blemish. Sorry about it. You're uh, dead. <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> that's the blemish. Oh, so there, you have to... Like, uh, yeah, in this, it's you have to pronounce the sacred vow three times, which the man you know, agrees that he did, and it was done in the presence of at least two witnesses, his friends that were there, um, that he, you know... So it's like, well, sorry, dude, you are, you know, you kind of have bound yourself to this corpse. But, you know, the rabbi being wise and all of that helps figure out that the um, what is it he said there are other factors that must be considered first the wedding vow would deny the betrothal and it is widely known that the one that one vow may not be permitted to negate an earlier one second the vows of the bridegroom were not made with intention finally there's no precedent for a claim on the living by the dead therefore the vows cannot be accepted as valid because the bride is not from among the living the marriage is null and void at which point the bride screams her unearthly scream and collapses into bones what that sounds like is like 
is this like a Jewish Grimm's fairy tale where it's like the importance of contract law? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Lord. Joe, are you going to get us canceled? No, I'm just asking because it was like, there, hitherto, therefore, right. um, null and void. I was like, this sounds like this sounds like beginning law school contract law. You're, you could be right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Rabbinical, <laughs> rabbinical contract this law. Rabbinical text. That, uh, that, yes, exactly. The... The horror films and fairy tales that we've dis- or, or the fairy tales we've discussed in connection with horror films are like about morality and such, but the Jewish fairy tales are about contract law and <laughs> protecting one's assets. I mean, which which totally makes sense, especially in Russia, where mm. the Jews were highly persecuted with pogroms and everything. And like, you're getting ahead of me now. Yeah. Did you read the notes? I did not read the notes. Yeah, because we're going to get to that too. Okay, that, well. Yeah, that is sort of, no, that's great because that, yeah, there, there is absolutely, um, you know, more of this, more to this story. I just wanted to kind of cover the fairy tale realm mm-hmm. first. So let me find um, the other one. So this is the devil, the demon in the tree. Mm-hmm which again kind of reminds me of like the bride in the tree. So this is another story where, you know, what are these men doing wandering about the woods, shoving rings on, you know, things. But anyway, so I mean, we know some men who've done that. Okay. <laughs> have, have we, I mean, <laughs> you know, so this is in the city of worms that the rabbi's son was playing hide and seek with a friend. Always the rabbi's son. Yeah. Uh, so he saw a finger emerge from a tree thinking it was his friend. He took off his ring as a jest and slipped it on the finger, pronouncing the words of the wedding vow. Suddenly, you know, this monster emerges from the tree. Well, I'm not really, I guess a monster. It says she's a demon. Oh, she's a dibbuk, right? A dibbuk. A dibbuk. Dibbuk. Uh, maybe. Uh, so suddenly the finger was pulled back. Strange looking woman with long black hair emerged. Her smile so evil that the young man jumped away and then, you know, ran off. So years, uh, so in this story, kind of years go by. He meets a woman. She meets a tragic end. He meets another, and he marries her. Mm-hmm. Bad thing happens to her. Another time, another bad thing happens to, you know, the next one. Then he, you know, marries his third, his third bride. And, um, he tells her about the demon in the tree and the mm-hmm. whole thing. And mm-hmm. so the girl decides to go and negotiate with the demon. Ah, yeah. So again, a negotiation. Right, exactly. So she goes to her and says, listen, okay, I realize that he has married you, mm-hmm. but he's also going to marry me. So how about you can have him for like an hour a day? And I get him the rest of the time. And the demon's like, yeah, sounds good. And then at the end of it, the demon, after like seven years or something, decides to abandon, you know, the relationship, leaving the man and his wife to themselves. So the reason I think these are sort of connected, one, obviously you have the basic premise being the same of like the tree and the sticks or, you know, whatever, the finger, you know. Um, now Lilium's getting in on the action. This is Hemlock's job, girl, to come in yelling and hollering. Now she's here. Um, she wants to climb on you. <laughs> she ain't gonna fucking climb on me. Uh, anyway, so but there is that sort of negotiation, you know, and like the the corpse bride, like in in the film, Emily realizing that you know they mm-hmm. they belong together, and you know, so yeah. it's gonna be 
it's for the best. Yeah. She goes back to her world, leaving him in, in his world. So, yeah. So that, again, is from Lilith's Cave. Jewish... Uh, Vagina. I just... I can't, I can't. <laughs> Jewish Tales of the Supernatural. Uh, <laughs> Joe, oh my God. I mean, it's so patriarchal. It's like the supernatural horror tales are from Lilith's Cave. Like, that's very v- v- vaginal. It It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think also it just speaks to like Lilith, uh, you know, as this demonic figure within. Um, That's the mother of demons, right? Yeah, so and especially in like Jewish mythology, she plays, she plays a, that sort of role. So this whole book is about like demons and ghosts and witches, those sorts of stories from the, from the Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's things. There's like uh, so some of the stories, the Queen of Sheba, uh, the Wizard's Apprentice. Um, I haven't read all these yet. The Rabbi and the Witch, the Door to Gehenna, uh, the Cause of the Plague. There's all sorts of stories. I'm gonna have to like dig through this. I re- this is one of the book. I didn't rent this off Libby. I rented it somewhere else for free, so I don't have many days with it. But I I I would like to go through it and 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 take a look. Anyway, so I found this to get to your point. So Origins of the Corpse Bride story. I found this is on somebody's live journal that I just thought was kind of an interesting take. Um, and uh, I was actually speak- talking to Jeffrey about this because this is sort of, he's got connections here too with like the Russian um, Jewish population. So we were, we chatted a little bit about this. So uh, again, like we said earlier, it's a Russian Jewish folk tale uh, and that it sort of, comes out of the anti-Jewish Russian uh, pogroms, mm-hmm. you know that that you that you mentioned, uh, especially because you know they blamed the Jews for the death or the the assassination of Tsar Alexander II, and so Tsar Alexander III blamed the Jews for the you know and like set up all these restrictions and you know um, made it so they couldn't vote or become educated or work in certain professions uh, synagogues were closed uh, Moscow uh, cleansed of its Jewish population where have we heard that before um, so something that I thought was very during this time, it said that Russians attacked wedding carriages or parties and they would murder the bride. So she could not bear Jewish children. Mm. There are stories. Uh, and then there's like, uh, two stories on why she was buried in her gown. The first says that Russians buried the bride in her wedding dress in a shallow grave. The second claims of a Jewish tradition of burying the body in the clothes in which they died. Uh, which I've heard before. Yeah. I, again, and I, I'm not sure if that's something that's kind of lost to history. Or if, or if there is still a, uh, if that is still, pra- oh my gosh, Lillian is like right up on the microphone. Um, <laughs> so anyways, a person or family's line ends without offspring and the living bride insists that the corpse bride be remembered and continued. It's the woman who empowers those lost in the pogroms and carries the Jewish line despite tragedy. So the point of this folktale is to, is to remember those brides lost in the, in the pogroms. Um, Interesting. Okay. And that, um, and because the persecution of of the Jewish people obviously predates, they you know these these are older stories. And like I was saying earlier, yeah. when we talk about Rabbi Isaac Luria, um, who's like credited for uh, like the modern Kabbalah movement, I think is based on a lot of his his uh, teachings from the 1500s. That um, 
what's that the berg family michael berg and all them mm-hmm. made uh super hip in hollywood <laughs> got madonna on board so hey a little you know. town called kabbalah, kabbalah. Uh, <laughs> then how did it write a book <laughs> you just want to quote karen the rest of the day yes um, all right uh, we'll allow it anyway so the you this super kind of fun movie <laughs> has this very rich tragic history when you look at the ways that uh the jewish people were persecuted and murdered and um you know uh obliterated by you know genocidal maniacs <laughs> but obviously i you know it's been scrubbed of that i think that the you know this film is not really dealing with that you know instead it's talking about like a you know just like always terrible men you know who commit murder so they can you know get the jewels steal jewels right. and money <laughs> steal money and um you know leave their young brides for dead uh <laughs> but i i just was reading that and i thought hey that's really interesting and uh you know i want to ruin the next time somebody watches the uh, corpse bride and they go oh man this is about jewish genocide yeah <laughs> i mean so okay so jewish genocide aside what this is really is like it's a it's actually a very terribly drawn like lifetime movie like true crime <laughs> lifetime movie because here's the thing um whatever what's his name the richard e grant who played the 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 evil the evil man who you know we already know from the beginning is the one who is to blame. <laughs> as soon as he shows up you're as like, soon as he mm-hmm. shows up um, yeah that's uh what was his name barkus bittern yeah so barkus lord comes in. barkus uh, and it's like, okay, well, in the story, he didn't even marry her. He, like, you know, cut her down and then um, took, the, and basically, you know, like a common thief. But see, the thing is that if he was a savvy, you know, little gold digger, he would have married her. That way he inherited everything. You know, he got his right of dowry and all that bullshit. Um, I mean, did he learn nothing from, you know, every Lifetime movie about a gold digger? Um, both male and female, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not critiquing the the good Rabbi Loria or anything or <laughs> any rabbinical tradition of this folktale. But you know, through a modern lens, it would have been. You know, yeah. that's how he should have done it. Yeah. Well, and again, I this mean, this is I think his they... OJ Simpson. If I did it, right? Know, like, yeah. I think they're trying to you know make this like kid friendly. So it's like, well, I guess we can't have like Russians murder her for being Jewish. <laughs> maybe we should go in a different route <laughs> yeah maybe it's just for money yeah and again they've sort of removed it from that uh that connection anyways you know like no but nothing that i yeah. mean we watched it with jeffrey you know he was commenting on anything he thought seemed jewish yeah. to him you know just interpret you know in some sort of interpretation and there's really you said the only thing he said the only thing that was jewish about it was like the the there's no uh, there's no mixed they don't like mixed marriages yeah i'm not sure exactly what he meant by that but he i mean he was talking about the living and the dead yes but... the living and the dead in the film but like i think it's non-jewish versus right uh, you know marrying goy so goisha. yeah yeah goisha so, <laughs> goisha um yeah so yeah, there was there. Even though they're basing it on that sort, that that history and that tale, uh, which is terrifying and 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 you know very horrible. Uh, again, this could work as you could make a film 
and there probably are out there that make this yeah. scary. You know, that really make this like terrifying. Uh, actually, like Crimson Peak kind of plays with this mm. idea uh, a little bit. That, that that's definitely. Um, I think one of the inspirations is that kind of story, you know, where they're sort of murdering these women to take their money. Yeah. And then the ghosts have to come back and avenge. <laughs> yeah. Which like from a feminist standpoint, right. Is that that's all, that's how it kind of happens is it's, it's bad enough that, you know, she is going to be like another man's property and also, you know, is paying him to be another man's property. It's that like now she has to actually be, you know, cut down and murdered so we don't have to deal with another person there yeah no exactly yeah yeah it's very yeah yeah <laughs> we take a moment for for all of the it's like there's a lot of things that yeah we're bringing to this 70 minutes of film uh this children's animated film. right this children's animated film uh so Again, I think we're it's sort of the conversation we had last week about like the horrors of heteronormativity, you know, Again, and this yes. forced monogamy. Very much. <laughs> Everybody's super unhappy uh, over something that should be joyous and, you know, a celebration that people love each other and want to spend their lives together uh, and then possibly their deaths. Um I really like so some of the things that I do really enjoy in this is I always like to see Tim Burton's ideas of death, you know, yeah. so like Beetlejuice, obviously like death is this place of tons of bureaucracy and there's always paper pushing and you've got to follow this book and, you know, do all of these things to, there's a lot of rules, right? Exactly. in death. So, and then we get to corpse bride where, they've made this really fun juxtaposition of like the living are all gray toned and monochrome and man life just sucks. You know, they're dead. They're, they're living dead. And then when you get to death, everybody's lively and it's colorful and everybody's And they're colorful. You know, they're blue. Yeah, exactly. And And they're having fun and you know, they've, they've cast off the shackles of, you know, of having to, of the flesh. Right. To be normal, quote unquote, to, to like fit in. The propriety just, of it. The... Yeah. And just sort of having fun. So I really, I really like that. I love this sort of when the dead, when the dead come up and they're like wreaking havoc on the living and, um, but also meeting with their, mm-hmm. their living relatives and, and it's celebratory, even though it's like a zombie apocalypse yeah. happening. <laughs> you know, the town, the town cry said the dead walk the earth. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but again, I I, re- I do like that like juxtaposition. I think that's fun. That's again, we've seen some of like Tim Burton's um, tropes, mm-hmm. you know, here very much. It does make me wonder what was Winona Ryder doing? Is this when she was getting arrested for shoplifting? Maybe, be, maybe because why wasn't she like Emily or not Emily? I keep saying that. That's Helena Bonham Carter, which you can't have Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. They got to have each other in a Tim Burton movie, so yes. that's fine. But Victoria. Uh, she could have been Victoria easily. Victoria, it's like where was where was Winona Ryder? We couldn't get her. Uh, but then I was wondering. I know she that's she was kind of experiencing there troubles for a while, <laughs> so I'm not sure if she just <laughs> couldn't do it for reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, good for her for having a comeback. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the word is embroiled, right? Embroiled, <laughs> embroiled in a, <laughs> in scandals, in, in reasons. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, you've got lots of those kind of typical sort of tropes of Tim Burton that everybody's, you know, lots of black and white, uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, the death, the, those scenes in the afterlife are really fun. Uh, I love, I love bone jangles with his head, you know, his eyeball rolling around in his head and the skeletons. <laughs> I, I saw. Yeah. yeah super fun. Uh, trying to see what else. Um, I, I love stories where you have like the quote, poor rich you know who have like uh-huh. lost other money and they're total dicks to everybody when they need help <laughs> like, you're you, you need us why are you being such assholes yeah. and they're also the ones that are the most concerned with propriety but it's like right. you have literally nothing right nothing you showed us you opened up you sang a song about it opened up the vault you know whatever dusted it out it's empty we know you you're 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 po- 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 poor yeah, you're, you're, you is Poe. <sighs> Which is just a fate. Apparently worse than death. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Someone uh, is going to be listening to this and like their kid's going to want to watch The Corpse Bride and all they're going to think about is contract law and genocide. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, and that's fine. That's what we do here. Um, again, you know, taking horror very seriously. Um seeing if there's anything else again i mean you know it's only 70 minutes so it's not like i had a ton of stuff to <laughs> to go over uh but i i did just want to kind of hit those those points about um you know sort of where the story had come from um yeah. eh, stuff about romeo and juliet i guess uh, yeah but i mean yeah. he's never truly in love with her that's the thing is that Romeo was at least very infatuated with Juliet at the very least. Yeah, that's true. I think it kind of borrows a little bit of that, like, oh, he's going to poison himself to, like, be with, to be with Emily, the yeah. corpse bride. And a lot of cultures have that trope of, like, mm-hmm. the the young woman um, to be wed cut down before marriage, um, which makes it seem like that's the fate worse than death, right? Is that, like, oh, you, before you could fulfill your, your usefulness as a woman, you were... Um, you were you were deceased to borrow from Chichi Rodriguez. It's just that kind of day. You're yeah. just going to quote all of Tu Wong Fu, and that'll be the that'll be the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. I did like a little bit of this from the artifice. They talked about like finding beauty in you know for those who enjoy films i challenge you to find beauty in places people would tend to write off as dark or unpleasant you might just find something beautiful that you can call your own uh which i mean is a nice moral you know i guess for this again you know when you think about well again you know i mean my the way i live my life a lot of people find me morbid but it's like i'm filled with joy and i love life you know because i'm so you know aware of the fact that i will die uh and so there is something kind of freeing in that when you yeah when you accept that life ends so if this is the only chance you get like you do have to find beauty in as much of it as possible joy wherever you can find it you know that's why i again i love the death scenes because they're making music and they're raucous and having a good time and you know laughing about their various injuries and deaths and you know because it's just you know, at that point it's, it matters. doesn't matter yeah. yeah so i i did i did kind of like that point about the film and 
sort of how beautiful Emily is, you know, as the corpse bride, you know, she's this beautiful blue and everything's flowy and she's just very uh, ethereal, even as her eyeballs falling out and her arm is falling off. She's a very stark contrast to uh, Victoria. Victoria, who's very tight and, you know, all of her hair's pulled back and everything's very gray. And, you know, and again, that's not her fault exactly. That's being, you know, yeah. pushed on her by the society she lives in. But when, when Emily comes, it's this very, ah, you know, sort of. She makes an entrance. Yeah. Yeah, and she's just she's very beautiful in her own unearthly way, and so I just yeah I, I I did enjoy that kind of conversation that you know there is a lot in life that is gray toned for for many reasons so you yeah. know you kind of have to find those those neon edges <laughs> when you can it's like that um that New York Times article that I sent you about the nun who like wants people to be more concerned about like uh, to accept death right that way they can uh, really truly appreciate life yeah yeah which i mean i obviously i 100 percent agree with you know obviously yeah. <laughs> i've got a whole shelf of books on those uh on those topics um <laughs> or a whole section whole section of books yeah uh, right above calvin and hobbes that's true yeah <laughs> again i'm balancing yes the things the uh life you know <laughs> <laughs> my old big shelf of uh, uh, Edward Gorey books right there as well. So, you know, just it's all, it's all a balancing act yeah. between joy and laughter. And we'll post that. We'll grief. post these uh, pictures <laughs> on the, uh, on the West Craven Memorial Library Instagram page. Follow us. Right. Oh yes, please do. Cause it's super fun. I like sharing books and things. I actually haven't made a post in a few days. I need to, cause there's just so many good books. Mm-hmm. Anyways, any other thoughts on this? This is going to be a short one today, folks, because this was a very short film. Um, you know, so go out there, read, read some Jewish supernatural stories, learn mm -hmm. some things. You might be... Uh, Dust off your rabbinical texts. Right. Do it. Um, <laughs> you know, get you some red string. Yes. D destroy your ego. Um, I think that's like the Kabbalah thing. Mm -hmm. The destruction of ego. Uh yeah, super fun. Another what? What did you learn from this film, Joe? You Again, contract and law and genocide <laughs> is my two Danes takeaways. So like, people are gonna be like, well, "What's the most interesting thing you learned at fright school?" I'm like, I learned that the corpse bride is about contract law and genocide, and then they'll walk away. Yeah, going wow, wow. wow. Like, um, I'm gonna stay away from that Joshua guy. Yeah, he sounds like a nightmare. Or it'll be like, oh wow, he sounds brilliant. <laughs> Well, again, it's not me. I'm just channeling from the text from reading, yes. Joe. Just taking things that I've read. You're a regular factotum. Trying to put them out there in the world into our dear listeners' earballs. So, as always, thank you for listening. Um, we we hope that you enjoy the Corpse Bride and you know keep this really cool you know traditional stories in mind. Lilith's Cave. <laughs> With a skeletal eel in it. I don't even think eels have skeletons. But it could be like those target skeletons, you know, where they make, that's like an octopus. Like, what the hell? Octopus don't have bones. Not, I mean, not in their tentacles at least, right? I, I, I don't We're know. We're way off topic yeah. again. Joe, You're mixing so many metaphors. It's I great. know. Joe, I adore you. I adore you. You're wonderful. You look like Linda Evangelista. A model. <laughs> <laughs> I stone these types. You could go down the runway in a fucking diaper. In oh. a diaper. <laughs> Alrighty. 
Good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Listening to the Geekscape Network. 